Talk Radio 96.7. Yes, sir. We're talking sports. It's Thursday night after 8 o'clock, and that means we have wandered helplessly into the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone with you. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Or you can reach us via the Internet, ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Well, a lot of football coming up this weekend. The Gators are off. They'll play Georgia next Saturday, the 28th of this month. That'll be a 3.30 kick, 12.30 beginning the pregame stuff. Not this week, but next week. The Falcons travel to the Buccaneers. The Falcons are 3-3. Three and three. The Bucs are 3-2. and two. 1 p.m. kickoff, noon pregame, right here on 96.7 FM WLKF. Duke is going to be at Florida State Saturday night. 7.30 kickoff, 5.30 pregame, so a lot of football coming up. But we begin with a sad note. Our good friend Andy Bean, a frequent contributor to the show, passed away late last week, and he was 70 years old. Great human being, a guy with a big heart, big man, 11-time winner on the PGA Tour, and just a great friend to have. Coach Joe, we're really going to miss Andy Bean. Oh, we really are. I remember the uh, well. I remember watching him growing up because he won at Doral, and that's where I used to uh, always make make it a point to go when I was growing up down there. And uh, at, at that time, in the late seventies, he was a young golfer, fresh out of the University of Florida, and uh, was really known for he he was such a big guy that uh, and he could really hit the ball just uh, beautifully, just uh, uh, such a long way too, and and he was known on the tour. As he uh, got a little bit older and more of a veteran presence, he really he, he, there's a lot of stories about how he took young golfers under under his wing, or at least uh, made them feel welcome and at ease, and that he was generally genuinely nice and fun person to be around. That was certainly his reputation. It wasn't just a reputation with us, Ronnie, because he used to come and hang out with us all those years oh, yeah. <laughs> when the be- when the Barkley Bean and Bryant uh, first tee event used to be held. Uh, that was always such a great time, and, and Andy would come and hang out with us here in studio, and uh, it was always a fun show. And what you guys don't get a lot a chance to hear is in between when we're in commercial and stuff, he tells more stories than the ones he already, than he already tells on air. Some of them he couldn't tell on air, yeah. but it's okay. <laughs> and then even afterwards, you know, hanging out here afterwards, and he, he just always had a great story to tell. And then we used to see him at Gator events. And uh, as he his last show with us was May 18th, and it was a, a really great show. We were talking about the PGA, and uh, he wasn't with us in studio by that point because he started to get sick, and it was a little bit harder for him. But uh, you know, the uh, he did such a good job, even though you know he wasn't feeling great. And uh, when when I texted him afterwards to thank him, I remember he just said I, I, that he hoped he sounded well, and uh, I just remember saying that, that he sounded yeah. great. Yeah, yeah no he, doubt he was about such, it. Such a big heart in that guy. It, it's. Very, very sad to see him gone. Too soon, Ronnie, too soon. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. He was part of that 1973 University of Florida National Championship team along with Gary Koch, Ben Duncan, Phil Hancock, and Woody Blackburn. They beat one of the real powers in NCAA golf back then, Oklahoma State. They had won a national championship before Andy got there back in 1968 
and uh, they had beat a power then. The University of Houston beat them in 1967 in the finals, and the Gators came back in 68 and beat the Cougars uh, in the 1968 NCAA golf finals. But, Coach Joe, uh, one of my favorite Andy Bean stories was a story he told about Jack Nicklaus. Do you remember that story? Yeah, actually, uh, I uh, do remember. He told a couple of great stories about Jack Nicklaus, and Nicklaus actually came to play in the Barkley Bean event uh, the, the one of the last times that it was held, just a few years ago, and it was it was fun watching him traverse the uh, the YMCA par three course. <laughs> you know, that was kind of cool. But I do remember it, and it was about needing Nicholas's plane. Yeah, I think Andy's was a child was going to be born. Yeah, and, and Nicholas had beaten him in the tournament. Yeah, as I recall, and um, Andy was scrambling around trying to get a flight home, and he couldn't get one. Somehow, Jack Nicholas heard about it and said. Take my plane and flew him home so that he could be there for that. So that was a great story. Well, I tell you what, we've got a lot of great guests on with us tonight. Um, we're going to have Dr. Pete Delicato, who for 35 years was the Florida Gators um, sports medicine guy, did a lot of surgery for the Gators, and he also was on the Miami Dolphins orthopedic staff. So he's got some great stories to tell. And then we're going to have the 1993 uh, uh, Lou Groza Award winner, Judd Davis. He's going to be on with us at 830. So you want to hang on. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll have Dr. Pete and Delicato with us. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, I'm Chris Leak, MVP of the 2006 BCS National Championship game for the Florida Gators. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O, Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And it's our distinct pleasure to have with us tonight one of the most distinguished, renowned, and decorated sports medicine orthopedic surgeons, Dr. Pete and Delicato. Dr. Pete, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Tom, glad to be here. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Ronnie Ocean and Coach Joe. Man, we are so excited. Uh, I got to meet um, Dr. Pete last week. We were sitting there watching the Gators beat South Carolina, and um, I saw his national championship ring, and he told me who it was. And, man, I tell you, I was so excited. I didn't know what to do. I, I felt <laughs> like I had met a celebrity, and I had. And um, Dr. Pete. Um, How do you like the way that game ended, man? I loved it. I loved it. I tell you what. You know, I, I really owe a public apology to our quarterback, um, Graham Mertz. I remember saying, I'm not sure if Fred Nethel Mertz might have been a better choice than Graham Mertz, but I certainly owe the man an apology because he has been outstanding. I agree. He's a, he, I, I met him on a, more than once, and he's, he's an outstanding individual uh, beyond being a, a very talented quarterback and leader of the, of the Gators this year. Dr. Pete, you were the team physician for the Gators for 35 years and uh, the associate physician for the NFL Dolphins for nine years and the Wayne Huizinga Professor Sports Medicine, uh, uh, Professor of Sports Medicine at the university for more than 20 years. You know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, were you on the sidelines in New Orleans when the Gators won their first national championship? Yeah. 
What what was the sideline well, like? You, 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 oh, it, it was bedlam. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it it was after uh, uh, you know after after that uh, Florida State we, it, we we had a payback, a little payback coming. So uh, that week uh, in New Orleans was uh, a good week of practice, and uh, the outcome was uh, was almost almost predetermined just by how well we practiced that week. Oh man, I'll tell you what, that, that was so wonderful. I was there and it was, it was just so much fun. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is there, you've been around for quite a while. You've seen a lot of things. What would be some of the maybe one or two greatest advancements in sports medicine that you've seen in your career? Wow. That's a, that, that, that could be a, a, a long list, but, I would say the the from from a from orthopedic surgeon standpoint the the advancements made in orthoscopic surgery uh both of the shoulder the knee the ankle uh the hip uh, we we've we've come thousands of miles as as far as advancements from a from a non orthopedic uh, standpoint, sports medicine's biggest advancements, I think, have been over the, particularly over the past seven to seven to ten years, is the is the understanding or better understanding of how important uh, the psychology of recovery is uh, following a uh, an illness or an injury. How these athletes respond to um, now social media and, and things and, and and how important it is that team physicians understand uh, that you you have to really get to know these athletes to understand their emotional uh, well-being as well as their uh, musculoskeletal well-being. Our guest tonight, the great Dr. Pete Indelicato here in the Ozone, joining us, 682-1430, 682-1430. If you want to join in the conversation, Doc, uh, Coach Joe here, uh, real pleasure to talk to you. And, oh, by the way, I've always spoken positively about Graham Mertz, <laughs> unlike Ronnie. <laughs> Even after the tough games, I always pointed out how well he played. <laughs> but but you, yeah. you can't see it, Doc, Dr. Pete, but uh, I've got my Dan Marino jersey from circa the vintage 1990s uh, on. And, uh, you know, you were with the Dolphins for a long time, and, and you helped uh, – keep him on the field. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, You're welcome. And, and, and his injury was an Achilles. Now, uh, this year, we were talking to you a minute ago about advancements in medicine. Now, Aaron Rodgers had an Achilles issue come up, and, and there's this technique now that he had undergone called Achilles speed bridge surgery that's supposed to cut the amount of time that he was out, because Marino was out for at least 10, 11 months. But Aaron Rodgers is talking about trying to to come back much sooner than that, about half the time. What do you know about this speed bridge surgery? Does it have something to do with putting a brace in the area? Yeah. Now, a speed bridge basically is is a surgical method by where you can reattach the uh, tendon uh, through a tiny incision, and and basically it's sort of a, a, a running a cable system uh, across the uh, rupture site to secure it its uh, uh, to secure its uh, uh, healing 
and at the same time allow the foot and ankle to move earlier than what was required, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago when when uh, Marino tore his Achilles. So it, it, it's a much more minimally invasive technique that secures the, the tear site to such a great extent that you can allow early motion. In, in turn, because you allow early motion, you're going to allow a much quicker recovery. You know, it's interesting because uh, we actually saw Aaron Rodgers on the field last week after only about five weeks coming out of surgery, and he was uh, uh, throwing. Uh, you know, he wasn't in uniform or anything, but he didn't even look like he was wearing a boot. And, and you mentioned th- this new type of surgery, and there's another fairly recent type of surgery as well on the ankle. I know that Tua had this when he was in college. It's called tightrope surgery, and that's what Brock Bowers, the Georgia tight end, uh, underwent this past Monday. Uh, how does how does that work, and how does it help with high ankle sprains? Well, it, it's sort of a similar uh, uh, methodology. Is that you you uh, use a, a a very strong suture to brace the disrupted ligaments that occur as a result of a high ankle sprain. And again, you you re reinforce that area through very tiny incisions, maybe just a, a, a quarter of an inch in, le- in in length. And because you have such a secure fixation around the healing or damaged area, you can allow a much more aggressive rehabilitation and recovery than than you could, uh, you know, years gone by. But he's uh, he's going to miss the Gators game, I guess, right? I hope so. <laughs> we wish him. We wish him a very healthy uh, continuation right. after that, <laughs> starting yes, in November. Yes. Right? Yeah, right. The no first, doubt the about first it. Weekend in November. I hope he's one hundred percent. Doctor Pete, we'd be remiss if we didn't thank you for your service. You were lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy, and uh, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, we always salute our veterans here. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was. Um, you actually came to the University of Florida partially because of a relationship that you established with Jack Youngblood. Tell tell that story, if you would. Yeah, um, I was I was uh, involved in an extra year of training out in Los Angeles after I got out of the Navy, and um, uh, Jack Youngblood was was playing for the Rams and. The, there was a job opening here at the University of Florida for somebody uh, with my experience uh, and who is also interested in becoming a, the uh, Gator team physician. So when that when that job opportunity became known to me, I approached Jack and said, "What do you know about it?" And he was just all excited and very supportive of, of me coming here. So I, I owe a lot of that that ultimate decision I made to uh, Jack Youngblood's uh, encouragement and support. He's a great friend, and he's been on the show several times, and uh, just a real hoot to have on some of the stories that he tells, and just a great guy. I love being around Jack. Uh, one of the things, one of the advancements I wanted to ask you about, too, is the advancements that have happened in knee surgery, ACL reconstruction and so forth, I became a Gator fan about 1959. And back in those days, if you had a knee injury, you were pretty much through with football. But that's not the case anymore, is it? 
Not at all. Uh, you know, back in uh, in in the fifties and sixties, we used to look at uh, uh, an ACL basically like in your appendix. You know, like you really didn't need it. Uh, and if it was damaged, there was no nothing to. It wasn't important, and even if it was, there was nothing you could do about it. About in the late 70s, uh, the actual importance of how critical that structure was to support and protect the rest of the inside of the knee joint became obvious. And 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 the again, just like in the shoulder and the, and the ankle and the Achilles, the technique in in recognizing. A that the ACL is torn, and B how you can re repair or reconstruct it has evolved tremendously over the, the past uh, 25, 30 years. So now it's basically you you expect to get uh, somebody back uh, almost to the same level they were before they hurt them. Uh, it, it doesn't take quite as long uh, physically as it does mentally. I was going back to that emotional thing that. That we're learning a lot more about ACL recovery, both physically and and uh, psychologically, and how important both of those things are for a complete recovery. Doctor Pete, a relatively new technology is robotic surgery. Um, talk a little bit about the advancements that have been made there. Yeah, robotics has not necessarily been required or, or made an inroad into orthopedic, particularly sports medicine as it has in other areas of orthopedics and hip and knee replacements and just in other areas of, of surgery. So it, it, robotics is, is yet to make a, a major impact in, in uh, sports medicine orthopedics uh, like it has in, in hip and knee replacements. Uh, doctor, I wanted to ask you, because you, you've been on the sidelines as a team physician. What, what is the role during the game of a team physician? Because usually when you see an injury, you don't see the doctor go out onto the field necessarily. So um, what sort of a role do you play during the course of a game? Basically, our role is to uh, recognize and evaluate uh, both injuries uh, and, and to some degree illnesses that occurred during the game. So our role during the game is to keep our eyes focused on the, on the, on the field of play and then if an athlete comes over to the sidelines, either either by themselves or with the help of athletic trainers, our role is to make a quick assessment as to the severity of the injury and and then make a determination whether or not it's safe for that athlete to go back and play or, or not. Do you ever Were you ever in a position, you, we hear about this a lot now, where you see a, a player who's, who's taken a hard hit and you see signs of concussion, is it is it the physician's role prior to now where there's an independent person in the booth? But was it the physician's role to tell the coaches you've got to get him out? You've got we've got to go test him or what or what? Uh, how did that work? Right, right. That that's always been uh, one of our responsibilities as a, as a sideline team physician it is to uh, recognize the the occurrence of concussions and 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 the, if severe enough, you know, to hold them out of play. We've become so uh, uh, concussion conscious. Thank God, we're m much more knowledgeable about about recognizing it and are much more adept to treating it appropriately, so that you try and minimize these chronic issues that develop after uh, repeated or unrecognized uh, uh, concussions. I, I want to ask you. Uh, oh. 
one other thing, because we really appreciate you joining us tonight, and, and that is DeMar Hamlin. Last year, he nearly died on the field, but uh, there seemed to have procedures in place last year that, that allowed him to get the immediate care he needed to stay alive. As somebody who was a team physician 30-plus years ago, were such procedures in place that, that would have saved him back then, or how much better are they now? Well, they're certainly much better now. We have uh, a mandatory every 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 university, every NC2A school, uh, and uh, certainly all the professional ranks have what's called an, an emergency action plan that has to be established, written down, and actually rehearsed at least once or twice a year at, at all the different venues. So when it when it when it's something like a cardiac arrest occurs, like it, like it, like like it did, uh, you. You, you you actually know what to do because you've rehearsed it so many times, and and uh, it, it's really a very serious and critically important uh, part and role of of a team physician is to is to uh, know what that emergency action plan actually be involved in creating one for your school as well as uh, practicing and maintaining its. Uh, it's efficiency when, God forbid, it happens. Dr. Pete, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Dr. Pete and Delicato played a significant role in so many Gator championships and victories behind the scenes, and we really appreciate having a real legend on the show with us tonight. Well, thank you very much, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Dr. Dr. Pete and Delicato, and we have one great guest after another with us on the phone right now is none other than the 1993 Lou Groza Award winner, Judd Davis. Judd, welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Hey, Ronnie, Joe. How you guys doing? I appreciate you having me on. Was Man. That, that was the legendary Dr. Pete, huh? It was. <laughs> Did you ever have anything he worked on you for? I, luckily, I steered as far away from him. <laughs> That's why I became a kicker to begin with, so I would have to go see him. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Oh, oh. Judd, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was Trace Mack has made dramatic improvement as a kicker. I mean, he looked bad in the spring game, and now he has just really come on. He was one of the top-rated kickers in the country coming out of high school and he just didn't seem to immediately be able to adjust. What have you seen in his development that's made him so good this year? Yeah, so he when he yeah, he came out, and I remember I met him when he came down on one of his visits and met his parents and but, uh, from Maine, I believe. And uh, yeah, Maryland. I think he was from here. Maryland. Oh, I'm sorry, Maryland, Maryland. Yeah. So, well, one of the top guys, and um, you know the, the transition. <laughs> people don't really know the transition from high school to college pretty big. I mean, you're going from a few hundred people in a little stadium to, you know, to, to national television, 90,000. It is a huge jump. And when he and Adam Mihalik, who I got, I've gotten to know pretty well, Adam's, uh, you know, kind of took my path, walked on and uh, was a kind of a feel good story and did really well. But right before what the season last year, I know that um, Trey got hurt and he was in the competition. He had pulled his quad, what, a couple of weeks before the first game, and he kind of let on that I'm just going to keep kicking because, he, you know, at that point they were trying to decide who was going to start. He, and, and as a kicker, you pull your quad or your ham, you know, any, and your groin, you have to shut it down. I mean, there's, it's like a pitcher. You just can't keep pitching. And he got injured himself and developed a little bit of a flaw in his swing, and then Adam took over, and Adam was doing well. But 
I think getting his uh, trades, getting his health back, um, you know, and I, you never want to wish Bill Will on another kicker, but he got his opportunity and my gosh, he's kicking as, as well as any kicker in the country right now. No doubt. No doubt about that. Well, in 1993, you were the Lou Groza award winner as the top kicker in the country. And I have to go back to that Florida Georgia game in the rain in a monsoon and, uh, Shane Edge, we've had Shane on here, and he told us the story about making a little mound of mud for you to kick off of. <laughs> tell, tell that story, if you will. Well, you know, we got to the game, and I think it had rained like three inches before that game. And we went out pregame, and I remember Edge and I ran out of the tunnel, went out there before the rest of the guys, and we're standing there in the, in the, in the, in the field, and the grass was kind of long on that field at that time. And the water was all, it was over our feet. I mean, I'm looking at Edge going, I can't kick. This is ridiculous. And he couldn't even punt. <laughs> so we sat around, we went back in, and I said, Coach, I said, we didn't even kick. And I remember telling Edge, I'm not going to kick any field goals today. You're going to be punting all day long. And lo and behold, Edge punted one time in that game. And I don't know how, and I kicked four field goals. And it was, um, yeah, it was kind of just crazy because I remember if you remember, you've seen the highlights when Eric Rett was getting tackled. He'd yeah. fly like 20 yards. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would go out there, and we would just, and Shane would just kind of, you know, kind of clear a, a, a spot as well as he could, and he'd catch it, put it down, and I would just kind of go down after like it was a pitching wedge and a bad lie. And at least that's what I remember Coach Spur talking about that in the press conference. Judd, you know, Judd, he knows how to, he knows how to hit those tough lies. <laughs> so he attributed my golf to being able to make those and I remember hearing him say that and I thought it was great and you know and, and every time I kicked my foot would go down and just a wave of water and mud would go up into Edge's helmet <laughs> and he'd stand up and look at me and his face would just be dripping and he'd get this big smile on his face and that and I'll say I am pristine you know and he said just, just keep spraying me in the face if you keep putting them through so and it turned out, if you remember, that game came down to the last play of the game. Yeah. Eric Zier, and there was a penalty, so they had, they got to run one play. What like on the five yard line was zero on the clock, and and uh, and he missed it that pass in the end zone, and my, that's one of the great all time great Florida George games. But yeah, I got one of the game balls for that, and that really was what people tell me. That's really the game that won me the grows. It was a lot of people were watching and, and to kick four, go four for four on those conditions. <laughs> Um, and all I did was just basically kick in that general direction of the upright. There was no technique. I just slammed my foot into the mud, and they just went through. Luckily, I don't know how. But, uh, now, yeah, that was a heck of a game. Now I'm going to ask you to turn state's evidence on Shane Edge and Coach Spurrier. 1993 okay. SEC championship game. Fourth down. Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. I know where you're going. <laughs> Shane Edge is back to punt. He, they're going to block it. They had a good rush on. He sees it. He pulls it down and runs like 20 yards for a first down. Now, I've heard Shane, and when he was on here, he said it was his idea. It wasn't called. I've heard Coach Spurrier say it was a called play. What was it? Well, <laughs> I should plead the fifth on this. And, you know, that same thing. I, I, you know, I punted in high school as well. And when you see the guys coming, you have a peripheral, and you – you know when, and I pulled one in in high school and did the same thing. So, I mean, I'm sitting there watching, and like you said, it wasn't fourth and two. It was, I think, what, fourth and like 12 or something? Yeah, it was a and long Shane, way. Yeah, and Shane said, I mean, I could tell he was coming, and Shane pulled it in and took off and ended up, get, like I said, gained for 20. 
And I remember on the TV, he's on the bottom, and the guy's laying on top of him, and Shane's got his finger in the guy's face mask. <laughs> fucking smack. Classic, classic Ed. And I remember the press conference. This is the, he said something to Coach Burr about, was that a call play? And I think he, he kind of alluded to maybe it was, and I looked at Edge, and we just, I said, Ed, just go with it. Don't even, don't say anything. <laughs> Give give the big man all the credit. You know, I mean, everybody would believe it because that was Coach Furrier's way. He didn't get, he didn't give a damn. He just went for it. But yeah, that was. And then the very next play, I think Terry Dean threw a what a, a sixty yard bomb to Jack Jackson. Yeah, Jack That's Jackson. The, yeah, the very next play, that was Vintage Furrier on a big play like that to just come out of the guns and just sling it. Um, yeah, that turns out, and, and it's funny because Edge always says that people remember him more for that play than any other any other play, not for punting, but for that one run, which is, because <laughs> that was the first one off the field. I mean, when he was like five yards coming off the field, I ran up and grabbed a pelt, and I'm like, what the hell are you thinking, man? <laughs> and, he, and he was, yeah, it was pretty clutch. That was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, we're talking tonight with Judd Davis, a great Gator kicker. From 1992 to 1994, uh, 682 1430, 682 1430. Join us in the conversation. Hey, you know, Judd, uh, the 93 season is one of my all time favorite seasons. Uh, to me, that was when the Gators went from being a very good team to being true national title contenders. There was like a transition. You guys won so many impossible uh, games that Kentucky game to Warren's got a touchdown. You mentioned the fake punt against Alabama. I'm uh, thinking the South Carolina game, which the reason I bring that up is that was the greatest Gator road comeback in history, the 17 points down, and you came back to win that game. And now the Gators this past week rallied from 10 points down with five minutes to go to pull out is a great win. And the question, I guess, you know, watching this Gator team, is this the beginning of something new or just one of the more ups and downs as this team kind of matures? So we're not quite there yet. Well, it's funny because people always ask me about Coach Napier, and I kind of tell them he reminds me of the young Spur. He's not, you know, doesn't have that brash cockiness, but he doesn't care. Coach Napier doesn't care about anything but winning. He doesn't care how big the house he's in. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about any of that stuff, and that's how Coach Spur was. He didn't, he didn't care. He was just focused. I came here to win, and that really the Dorian's got a touchdown game, the Kentucky game. That, there's a lot of people said that was the one that changed it for us back then because, you know, that game, I will never forget it because there was no overtime then. And so it's third and long and I'm standing there and I'm standing next to Coach Spurrier and I'm getting ready to have to try about a 45 yard field goal with, with, with seconds left. And I remember looking at edge going, this is brutal because even if I make it, we tie Kentucky. Nobody's jumping on me, right? I remember, saying, this is no win. I remember going, this just sucks, right? And if I miss, I'm the, I'm the dog. But if I make it, yeah, thanks, Judd, we tied because there was no overtime. And so when Doreen caught that pass, I was the last guy on the pile when they threw an unfortunate. Like, I was never been so happy to kick an extra point in my life. And uh, I was after that game. I can um, see it now. Hey, we tied your butt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I mean, it, wasn't, it, wouldn't even, it wouldn't even have been a great – I mean, it would have been – thanks, John. Thanks for, for not being a nightmare. It still sucks, but, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that, but like I said, that game – like you said, so this – watching that South Carolina game last week was just – I mean, I think every Gator was just – their jaws were on the floor. Was, but down 10 with four minutes and 50 seconds left, we were still down 10. I, I mean, I didn't think it was even possible. And this could be the one that does it. Hopefully they'll look back years from now and say that was the one that turned around for Coach Napier. And um, 
you know, but I think you guys noticed his play calling was drastically different. It's it was. Like he basically, he basically, he had a quote saying that I think I, I think I know now because Coach Spurrier said that till my or my wife told me that Coach Spurrier said I need to throw it downfield more, and kind of laugh, <laughs> right? And when I heard him say that, I remember telling my dad maybe he'll take the cuffs off and just and he was he got creative and he was throwing it to the. I mean, I love the little tight end dumps because that's so hard to stop, right? And he, I tell you what, I think he knows now that he can call those plays under the gun, which that's what Spurrier was famous for. I mean, what, what calling the Doring double pass in the SEC championship game against Alabama. You know, I remember, I mean, he would call these plays when no other coach would call plays like that when it was, you know, instead of just running it up the middle. Oh, and Danny faking the injury on that. Yeah, and Eric Kresser coming in and throwing a 50-yard out. I mean, if (laughs) you're an opposing coach, you're thinking, okay, he's going out, Kresser's going to hand it off because they're going to let him get warmed up. But that wasn't the way Coach Spurrier thought. Well, we knew it was coming. We knew it. Danny lips off the field, Eric Kresser goes, and I remember they they just stacked the box with the linebackers because, oh, it's going to be handed off up the middle. And Kresser just hauls off and slings it. And then Danny, the next play, Danny runs back on the field, but immediately heals up like, <laughs> like it was a, an act of God. Or Divine intervention. <laughs> oh, that was just no, Danny's a believer, and no the, doubt. One of the announcers, one of the announcers, picked up on it and basically said, "I don't think he, he was really hurt." And, and that's just, uh, Coach Furrier was just—it so, was the best. Did, I just, it was so much fun to play for. Did you guys practice that, or was there a name for that play? Well, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know, but, but I remember when he came off, I heard one of – I don't know who other one of the quarterbacks said. Oh, they, I heard him say somebody said, oh, here we go. And they, oh, here they, we called, go. It, they <laughs> called it something. And at that point I thought – and I, I was watching. I don't know who caught the pass, but I remember they just – was Harrison Houston, gone. wasn't it? To start it was a Harrison. Yeah, Harrison. And But, you know, the, the, the DBs were like, what? And, they, you know, they were, they, were, they were on their toes. They were on their heels and – yeah, that was a heck of a play by, by Coach Spur. I just loved it. And he would just draw – I mean, when I say he would draw plays in the dirt, I mean, I've seen him literally kneel down and draw in practice in front of Danny Werfel and, and like, in his hand in the grass, let's do this. And literally like he's drawing up a play. And it was just – it was just so fun to be – I didn't realize at the time how special it was to be part of that wow. in the 90s to watch Coach Spur come in. I mean, when he, I, I was there when he walked in and introduced himself and all his coaching staff. And then we all had to put uh, – we had a white piece of tape on the front of our helmets, and we had our last name on our helmets because they didn't know anybody's name. So here I was, a nobody walk-on kicker from Ocala, and Coach Spurrier didn't know the senior starting linebacker any better than they knew me. So it was always it was interesting. I mean, I was on the team, but yet they were all meeting the coaches as well. And Coach Spurrier, I used to talk golf, and we kind of started talking. And uh, I never dreamed I would even – I mean, I prayed one day I would get the kick, but – so yeah, and then to watch that, and then when I graduated, I thought, oh, you go to Florida, you get a, you get a ring. You go to Florida, you get a ring. <laughs> now I look back, you get you get an SEC championship ring, and you're probably playing for the national championship. Yeah. I didn't realize how special and lucky it was to be part of that. But he ever now, he ever I mean, mentioned he, the uh, Auburn kick in 1966? Do you ever <laughs> do you ever tell no, you about that? No, no, oh, no, 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 never. <laughs> <laughs> don't know realize is that was that was 40 yards that wasn't a little 28 yard field goal that was 40 yards and oh yeah I heard it I mean and it was it was so funny because every now and then he would like 
Shane would be punting or something, or we'd just be warming up before practice, and he would he would say, Shane, he'd, and he'd catch because if you remember, Coach Burr was a heck of a punter. Yeah, he was. Incredible punter. <laughs> in the NFL. He punted yeah. in the NFL, too. And he would he would catch a snap, and he would just, you know, messing around and say, Shane, and he would drop it. And he would turn over a little spiral. I mean, it wouldn't go 50 yards, but he would turn it over, and he would just, and then he just walk off. And I, <laughs> and I would, of course, I would look at Edge and I'd say, Edge, it's, it's simple, man. And Edge would be like, man, shut up. But it was so funny. Joe <laughs> could be kind of, uh, kind of goofy and jokey in his ways. And then, but every now and then, you'd be like, that guy won the Heisman. I mean, it was, it was almost like you'd have to, like, that dude, I mean, he's special, you know? Uh, Judd, got, got a and, couple quick ones for you. Um, sure. One is, is it true that you beat Coach Spurrier in golf when you were still a player? And uh, also, you had a son that was a kicker, right? Yes, yes. Well, first of all, no, I did not. So co- that's one thing that Coach Spurrier is very proud of. He has never, he was never beaten by a player in golf while he was coaching them in uh, college or pro. So Coach Spurrier had heard the heard around that I was a, uh, that I was a pretty good player. And I used to talk a little trash in practice, say, Coach, when are we going to play? And I, I used to say, I'm going to beat you, Coach. I'm going to beat you. Just joking me. So we never <laughs> played. And finally, it came to my, you know, it comes down to my, my thing, my, my, uh, my, what, right before my senior year. And I'm walking down the hall to work out. And I'm with Edge and Coach Spurs. He goes, okay, Judd, today's the day. Meet me at university. <laughs> so it was me, I think it was Terry Dean, Brian Schottenheimer. And we go to university and, and, Man, and he, you want to beat him so badly, right? You want to beat him so badly, and he just and he's in your ear the whole time. And I had to, I had to rally. I had to rally on the back nine to shoot seventy six, and he dropped a seventy two on me. He, he shot a seventy two. Oh, wow. I shot seventy six, and then you know we'd be in practice the next week, and I'm kicking, and he'd be like, "Well, John, I'm sure glad you can kick it straighter than you can hit those tee shots." <laughs> <laughs> I would get a little, I get, I get a little, and I would say, well, coach, okay, well, let's go again. Let's, let's play next week. And he go, nope, you're done. I go, I'm done. Judd, we he got goes, about 30. He, goes, he said, he said, you got your chance. He said, you, 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 you lose to Tennessee, you lose to Tennessee for the year. And we didn't play again until after I graduated. Uh, and he had me. Judd, we got about 30 seconds left. Um, how's your son doing? Well, he graduated from Dartmouth. And um, now he works as, uh, for Amazon as a software engineer in Seattle. But uh, he kicked the game winner. To beat Harvard last year on ESPN uh, in the last minute of the game oh. and in the rain, it was incredible. Yeah, I got some incredible pictures. So, so he played he, for he, Sam he, McCorkle and uh, Buddy Tevens, huh? Yes, and as you know, Buddy yeah. Tevens tragically passed away, and that was brutal because he was like a, a second father to him. But yeah, but, but ironically, Sam McCorkle, who I graduated with, he's been named the head coach as of today. So, oh, that's Kudos awesome. Well, thank you awesome. so much, Judd. Thanks, Judd. We're gonna have to get you on again. We just we didn't have enough time. My gosh! <laughs> oh man, thank you so Plenty much. Plenty of stories. Plenty of stories. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime, give me a shout. All right, the great Judd Davis, 1993 Lou Groza Award winner, and we'll be back after these messages, and we're gonna have a thirty dollar opportunity for you to go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. You're listening to Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Hal Whistle, coach of the 1981 Men's Basketball Division II NCAA National Champion Florida Southern Moving Mocks. You are listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Hey, we got Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone tonight. 
The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. Man, what great guests we had tonight. <laughs> that was so much fun. Wow. It'll be hard to top that, Coach Joe. Um, well, I know right now you're waiting. You cannot wait. I want to go out to 5650 South Florida Avenue, Miller's Lake Linnell House. Please, please. And you can take $30 off your tab. They've got 40 strategically located television sets. You can have take advantage of the drinking meal specials every night of the week. Coach Joe has got a sports quiz. All right, what you got? Yes, uh, and I love everything about this quiz. <laughs> I like nothing about it. Uh, well, Alex is a big fan of Taylor Swift. And, I'm not. And those of you... Well, uh, you know her music's actually pretty good, but uh, but you know I, she's not in. I'm not in her demographic, but uh, but Alex and others. Uh, I'm close. That age. Yeah, I'm within <laughs> They're big a century fans. or two. And uh, she has made quite the splash in the NFL. It's uh, uh, with her budding romance with tight end Travis Kelsey. I didn't want to give away the answer because the question is for thirty dollars the Lakeland Ale House. What team does Travis Kelsey play for? Is it A the Jets, B the Bears, C the Chefs, or Chiefs, I know, or D the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Who does Travis Kelsey play for? You if you have been following Taylor Swift, following uh Travis Kelsey's games, and you know the answer to that, and you can call us at 682-1430. And speaking of football, Ronnie the Bucks next Thursday are in action at Buffalo, and that means that uh, we're not in action. That's right. I, you That's know, right. I, We've been preempted. I, I hate when we're preempted because when we're not on the air, Eric makes us clean out the stables at the Eric Clark estate, <laughs> and, and, and they're— and that's the only time they're ever they're ever cleaned out. You know, it's when we're preempted. We're not preempted that much. Only for Bucks games and the occasional holiday. Uh, so, man, it's it's an incredibly uh, difficult task. But uh, uh, what time do we have to be there, Eric? Seven thirty. <laughs> he means PM, and you don't get off until noon the next day. Takes you know, that long. They're shoveling that organic fertilizer. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> All right, six eight two fourteen thirty. There you go. Um, give uh, us a call. Yeah, yeah, you know they have. You mentioned the drinking meal specials at Ale House. Uh, today they have the prime rib special, and they also have it over the weekend. I think on Sunday, and uh, it's a great place to watch football. And by the way, I had the prime rib, uh, my pre-show meal tonight, and it was fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, man, and at a really great price. An incredibly huge slab of meat. Oh, man, i tell you what. I've been getting a ribeye out there. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah I like stuff, that. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Their hamburgers are awesome, too. Yeah, and I've been needing to eat more meat. I've decided that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> did, did, uh, nutritionally, we should have asked Dr. Pete about this, about nutritional stuff, too, but but he's mostly a surgeon, so, you know, you know their nutritional needs are constantly saying, this is good for you, this isn't. This is, you know, There was a time when steak wasn't good for you. Now they're telling you to eat more of it. Well, I would submit yeah. that all cows are vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. So there <laughs> you go. just be weird. <laughs> How can that be bad for you? I, would never, I wouldn't know what to do if I saw a pig eating bacon. <laughs> That's cannibalism. <laughs> it's just, that would just be weird. <laughs> 682-1430. And we'll throw a second sports quiz out there. Who is the only team in Major League Baseball history to come back from an 0-3 deficit in a seven-game <laughs> series. How about that? You got two chances. So 682-1430. Coach Joe, 
Read yours once more, please. Okay. Uh, Travis Kelsey, what team does he play for? Of course, he's uh, been in the headlines a lot lately because he has a budding romance with uh, famous singer Taylor Swift. And so they've been seen together a lot, and she's been going to his games. And what team does he play for? Is it the Jets, the Bears, the Chiefs, or the Buccaneers? Just tell us which team Travis Kelsey plays for. Super Bowl champion tight end, two-time Super Bowl champion tight end. He's in. If you ever watch the NFL, chances are you've seen him in a commercial uh, with uh, a certain quarterback and a certain insurance commercial, commercial especially. Now, we do have to add in that you are ineligible if you've won in the last six months. And Eric has a list. He knows who's been naughty, who's been nice, and he's checking it twice. <laughs> Eric Clark, he's a mean man. You, That's mean, right. you mentioned rallying from, an, <laughs> rallying from an 03 deficit. Two teams trying to rally from 02 deficits in the LCSs. Yeah. Uh, so far, Arizona in Game 3 did win today in the bottom of the ninth, 2 to nothing, thanks to the heroics of Cattell Marte, their second baseman, who had three hits including two doubles and the game-winning RBI. And last night, the Astros got within 2-1 to one by beating Texas in Arlington. They're at it again tonight, and uh, they got off to another hot start. So you, Houston's rolling. All right, rolling. Brian, how you doing tonight? Brian, which question would you like to answer? I'll go ahead and answer your Taylor Swift question. All right, who would that be? That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. You're exactly right. Um, Way to now, go, Brian. Brian, if you'll hang Coming on the through, line, there's only about 20 seconds left in the show. If you'll hang on the line, Eric will get your information, your credit card, your bank account number. No. Um, yeah. If you'll hang on the <laughs> line, um, Eric will get your information. We'll send you out to the alehouse. How about that? Sounds, sounds good. Thank you so much.